my god, you posted that? Delete it. I feel so attacked right now. Don't, Don't act me like, like that. that. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Don't At Me. I'm your host, Michaela Copeland, and I'm ready to have a good old laugh on social media with you here today. So this episode doesn't need much of an introduction. I've got Lisa Carroll in the studio with me to discuss how comedians are elevating their career with social. And I don't just mean the Insta comedians. I mean the ones who started as stand-up comedians and have converted to digital or comedians whose livelihood is just a mix of both. Let's get into it. Hello, I am here with Lisa Carroll. I met her at VidCon and she's a comedian, so very fitting for this episode. So I thought I'd get a real life comedian to come and tell us, I guess, what her life is like with social media. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me, Michaela. Yeah, I'll be honest. As someone who does social media, I've never actually done a podcast before. This is interesting. Well, we have had some pretty annoying hiccups. (laughs) I I thought I... uh, I booked the room, but I haven't. So we're in a different room. We finally got like all set up half an hour later. So thank you for... We're in a cell. It's just great. If I was claustrophobic, I'd be having a hard time. But you know, the things I sacrifice for promotion. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all right. If you're at a professional podcast, I'm sure this wouldn't happen. But because, you know... I thought you were professional, Michaela. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought today we'd talk about how social media has changed the comedy space. Oh, it's completely changed the comedy space. You know, it's just to basically taken the stand-up scene and thrown it out the door. I had a go at the stand-up scene, and what I found is that it was a lot of nepotism, a lot of politics. And I found that people who were actually funny and had talent were driven away. Mm-hmm. And what I found was it's the same people that turn up at the same places every week and do the same bits to each other, expecting a different result. If that's not the definition yeah. of madness, I don't yeah. know what is. Yep. And I, I went to social media because like I sat down and, you know, I'm a 35 year old single woman who lives with a dog mm-hmm. <laughs> in Melbourne. And I, I'm like, well, I have something to say, but I'm not going to go and stand in bars every week and, you know, basically watch what I feel is the definition of insanity every week. So when I looked at all the major shows in like all the comedy festivals, you look at people like Alex Williamson, you look at people like Friendly Geordies, you look at people like Neil Colatar, you look at like Josh Wade, you mm. you look at people like say like Lily Singh, for example, Superwoman, uh, yeah. Hannah Hart, you look at Mamrie Hart, who was a stand-up comedian, and they all said the same thing and they all said that social media gives them the ability to be and do whatever they want and they mm-hmm. don't and they basically cut out the middleman that's yeah. basically what happens like the traditional comedic thing is that you go and you do your same piece over and over again you hope and pray that somebody likes you and you hope and pray that they think that you'll be good on television and mm-hmm. that could take over like 10 15 even 20 years yeah. where now you have someone like say friendly geordies or jordan shanks who even told me himself it really only took him like two or three years of doing online yeah to become this massive thing and it's like you know now and you'd understand this michaela going to vidcon now we've got television producers and the abc going to these places to find talent because they know that by creating followings that they know that it will sell yeah. Yeah. And I looked at it and I went, 
Yeah, because I did stand up really, realistically for like three months. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I just went, you no. you people are just, no, mm. no. Like it's just, you know, for me, I have an incredibly huge personality. I'm very quick. My wit is really, really quick and I'm very good with words. And when you're in a room with a bunch of people who are threatened by that, it just makes you feel really horrible. So mm-hmm. I just went, you know what? I'm going to stand in my lounge room <laughs> with Bunnings lights yeah, and a cheap DSLR I brought from Michael's and have the dog on the lounge and just do my thing. And yeah. I find it's much more enjoyable. And, yeah. you know, and I think that's the thing with YouTube, with Facebook, with Twitter, um, with any of it is that especially Lily Singh's book on how to be a boss, she was the one that really got me thinking about it because she was saying that like, cause she studied psychology and she was miserable and she had depression, but she always wanted to be this creative person. Mm-hmm. And she made videos to help her sort out her emotions and feelings. And she thought, you know what? I'm not going to be a psychologist. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be a YouTuber. And she just exploded. And mm-hmm. it was because like she said, she could work by herself. She didn't have to deal with anybody because being online is actually scarier than being in a stand-up room because yeah. you are at the mercy of the public yep. immediately. You are judged by real people who are willing to pay to see you and they want to see you grow and develop. They actually really love watching your journey and they actually want to see how you do it, where you go wrong, how you handle yourself publicly as well, which is a really important thing. Yeah. And, you know, people find that more entertaining than going to a pub and watching the same person do their five minute set over Mm -hmm. and over again. Yeah. And it's... For me, it just made complete sense. You know, like I love politics. I I do political satire and, you know, as a woman and like for me, I can just sit at home and study all the stuff, write it, put it all together, shove it in my teleprompter and stand in my lounge room and do it in three or four takes. And then I I love it because I have total control. Mm -hmm. I can put my own jokes in. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I I do it from start to finish, you know, and it's my concept. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially for comedians now, they're looking at it going, yeah, like I can actually be the John Oliver without having to wait for the John Oliver to pick me. Yeah, that's a good, I like that. Yeah, like you look at John Oliver's journey and I'm a huge John Oliver fan. Yep. I, what can I say? He's the love child of John Stewart and Stephen Colbert. And it's just, yeah. but you know, like you look at them and they're who I grew up with watching as political satirists mm-hmm. and, you know, then you got John Oliver came out, but he was like a stand-up for like twenty years before he got a show. Oh, okay. Yeah, he that. was a stand. He was a stand-up for a long time. Correct me if I'm wrong, listener. Um, <laughs> and then he got his go on John Stewart, and then he got his show. Mm-hmm. Now you've got comedians now who are going on YouTube, Twitch, whatever, and they're creating their own shows, and people are happy to pay, and they don't like no one watches like mainstream media anymore. Mainstream media mm. is basically reality TV because mm. it's cheap to make. Don't get me started on The Bachelorette, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about, I guess, going online and everything, um, what was it that made your leap into going online? So it was someone that you looked up to. Like I know you said, like Lily Singh at the time was really prominent. Um, I had a really hard time in my life and I, I've always wanted to perform. I grew up in the 90s. So in the 90s, you know, if you weren't skeletal thin – it was just basically you had no hope. And now you're like 20 years later and here I am in my mid thirties and you've got like Tess Holiday on the cover of Cosmo. Mm. And like, like, I was a cosplayer for years and in that world, no one gives a shit. But yeah. like, you know, for me, what happened was I had this really hard time in my life and I had to use social media basically to survive. Mm-hmm. And 
I just went, you know what, if I can use this to try and, you know, talk about my emotions, my feelings, and also I had to raise money so I wouldn't go homeless. Mm -hmm. Why can't I make videos in order to then make people laugh? Because like, especially after reading Lily Singh's book, I know I talk about Lily Singh a bit, but like (laughs) I've read her book and it just all made sense. And so did Hannah Hart's book. And, And it was like, you know, the two of them really I iterated. They were like, yeah, we are people that are genuinely funny, but we're not, we're not really comedians. We're just ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about it. And, you know, like, and then I looked at this, as I said before, I looked at the Australian stand up scene and I mm-hmm. looked at all the major comedians that we have around. Which I mean. And most of them are YouTubers. Oh, yeah. And the majority of them. <laughs> that like, <went> to <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you look at Christian Hole, who has publicly admitted he is not a stand up comedian. But then, like, if you ask my mum and you say, who's your favorite or most famous comedian that you know, she'd be like, oh, it's easy. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. what they grew up with. Yeah. You got to understand, they were like, I grew up without a computer. Mm. I didn't get social media, I didn't get Facebook till I was 24. Um, my entire teenage years was run by the radio. So it's good old Rocks FM in Port <laughs> Macquarie or Star FM now, yep. which is the Osteria radio network and like, and commercial television, you know, and like the most wild thing for me as a teenager in the nineties was SBS <laughs> and SBS had like, you know, Neon Genesis Evangelion hashtag. I'm obsessed with this show. <laughs> so I love that anime, but it was like the first time we ever saw anime. It was the first time we ever saw like, you know, stuff from foreign countries and things. And then for me as a woman who's never grown up with this, now I've walked into a world that I wasn't raised to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's the really confronting part for me. It's like, I don't even understand people 10, 15 years younger than me, you know, and they teach me stuff. Like I went to yeah. VidCon and had a 12 year old yeah. approach me <laughs> and I'm like going, he's like, I got 60,000 followers. I'm like, and you're 12 yeah. <laughs> and they're making business deals. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. Like they're, they're, yep. you've got children now that are growing up looking at this going, I could be this for the rest of my life Yeah, I know. and it's never insane. have, and never have a real job. Like for me as someone who grew up in the nineties, I never thought anybody would find me funny because of the, because of my body type. That's the truth. Really? Yeah. Like, cause I, I, I'm, I'm five foot seven, five foot eight. I've always, by the time I was 14, I was like, you know, 85, 90 kilos bullied terribly for my weight even into my adult years, like bullied terribly. And I was a nurse for 10 years. So when I went nursing, that's what really gave me um, a lot of self-esteem. Yeah. But the thing was though, even my own father said, he said, well, nurses don't care that you're fat. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like can you imagine going to the beach at like 16, 17 and you're going for a swim and you've just got guys heckling you, telling you like your legs are all jiggly and horrible. Yeah, I grew up with that. And now that behavior by young people in particular, I have young people in their, you know, teens and early twenties and they tell me I'm absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, for me, that's really hard because I'm like, I never, people never told me I was pretty like, you know, and it was, and like, I think that's the beauty of social media now is that it's taken away all that. And for someone like me, I can actually go, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the best thing they ever did was put Tess Holiday on the cover of Cosmopolitan. Definitely. And Definitely. like social media also, you know, there's no barrier of like what you look like for television. You know, it's not a casting call. You no. can just put yourself up there yeah. and it's just a whole lot of diversity out there. Well, that's the thing. And the public decide who's popular. 
Yeah. And like they always should have. Like yeah. I watched The Bachelorette who I hate. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate that show. <laughs> and like I'm doing. Is this the new one with the girl from Gogglebox? Yeah, the yeah. girl from Gogglebox. She's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. not going to say it. She's absolutely stunning woman. Mm. But it is that trope of the beautiful blonde with all the chiseled kind of guys that are trying mm. to fall over top of her. And yet they've got like one guy with tattoos and like with the dreads and stuff, which is great. But like it's still that old school television. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and you look at the, you look at like The Bachelor and they've got like the one token woman of colour. And I'm like, we live in Australia, especially in Sydney, where one in three people are are from overseas. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we live in a multicultural society. Why do you not, we don't have a multicultural television program. And I think that's the beauty of social media is that it completely breaks through all those stereotypes, you know, and it gives anybody a chance as long as you're good. And as long as people like watching you. Yeah. They don't care. Exactly. They don't care what you do. They don't care what you look like. You know, just as long as you're entertaining. Mm. And I think that's for me, that's what really made sense to me. And I thought, well, you know what, if a, if a young woman from Canada who is of Southeast Asian parents who can sit in her bedroom and create a multi-million dollar mm. empire yeah. and get a late show can do that, why can't I? Yeah, definitely. That's basically definitely. the sum of it. Yeah, no, yeah. that was a good summary. Yeah. Let's talk about maybe what type of stuff that you do online. So um, what did you first get into? What have you gone into? Because I've seen that you you do things from like talking about Ivan Milat to like going over <laughs> Jeffrey and Shane's new conspiracy <laughs> palette. Like it's really I a look, huge I do, range. I do whatever I feel like. Yeah. Um, so it's taken me about a year to work out what I want to do because <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And originally I was going to do like, you know, being a fat chick that goes on dates. But like I do, like I've done a few videos about my stupid Tinder chats and, you know, like I've had like bad sex stories and, you know, like, but then I started moving toward towards commentary and like, I really like politics. So Mm -hmm. I created a show called Politics with Profanity or I'm calling it Profane Politics is going to be the rebrand. And because I looked at it, I thought, well, there's no women doing politics Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And politics is really interesting. And it's. Mm For most, the average Joe, they probably sit there and look at the constitution and think that's the most boring thing in the world. Whereas me, I'm getting excited, grabbing my bottle of wine and I'm going to sit down for three hours and go through it. But that's the point. The average person doesn't want to do that. So what I want to do is actually teach people about politics in a way that they can relate to. Because most Australians swear, most Australians use it, like they use it as adjectives, verbs and nouns. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. Yeah. (laughs) I do a lot of commentary basically. Yeah. So yeah, like I did one on Ivan Milat. Because, like, someone has to take the piss out of that man. And, like, no other comedians had. I looked on YouTube and no one had done a video about it. Huh. And I was like, why has no one done a video about Ivan Milat wanting us to pay for his funeral? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, you've got to be kidding, mate. Like, you're, you're a murderous psychopath and you wouldn't even confess. And yet, here you are telling your family to not pay for the funeral just so you can have your last little power and last laugh. Like, rack off. Yeah. You know, like, why are not comedians attacking this? Why are they not making fun of this vile person? And then, well, like, you've got a new angle. You've got that. that yeah, but I did that. Like, I put it on Facebook and it kind of went, I got a bit, quite a bit of traction out yeah. of it. What were the reactions? Oh, I got a lot of people were like, yeah, good on you. Yeah. They're like, that's brilliant. They are mm-hmm. like, yeah, you basically said what we were all thinking. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, because... You know, he's a murderous psychopath. Like, Ted Bundy was a murderous vampire. Don't get me wrong. But at least he actually confessed in the end. Yeah. But he did that to keep himself alive. But the fact is that he confessed. Yeah. You know, like, and and it's kind of like, why aren't comedians having a go at this? Mm-hmm. You know, they'll have a go at George Pell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone yeah. should have a go at George Pell. Yeah. 
But it's like, you know, you look at it, they're both notorious. Mm. But it's like, Ivan Milad is somebody that needs to be, like, made fun of a lot. Because, you know, especially, like, with the big burst now in true crime podcasting. And, you know, like, I've kind of got into that. Mm -hmm. But when I look at it, I go, yeah, but we're using tragedy as entertainment. Like, and unfortunately, people thrive on infamy. And people are fascinated by this. And I don't Mm -hmm. say say there's anything wrong with that as someone who consumes that. But, Mm -hmm. like, you know, at the same time, you've got to remember at the end of the day, they've done very horrible things. You know, and Ivan Milat's done some really horrible stuff. Mm. And it's kind of like someone has to sit there and say something and go, you know what? Someone has to actually, you know, say basically what we're all thinking. You're a murderous piece of dirt. But somehow people find that funny. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I last saw you at VidCon, we were talking about Friendly Geordies and Clive Palmer. Oh, yeah. Fuck. That's, that's, wow. I haven't really seen any other updates from Yeah, he hasn't done much. So basically, TDLR, um, (laughs) Clive Palmer is suing, allegedly suing Friendly Geordies Mm -hmm. for um, defamation. (laughs) Yes. And the 26-minute video that he put up went viral, Mm -hmm. but... He's suing him for calling him literally a walking meme, yeah. uh, calling him uh, Clyde Palmer is allegedly a fatty McFuckhead, yeah. <laughs> uh, amongst many others. Go check out the video. I Yeah, I went and actually had a look at defamation law over this. Mm. And it turns out Pauline Hanson sued the ABC over Pauline Pants Down. Oh. Yeah, and <laughs> she won. She actually won. Wow. There's an organization called um, Arts Law. And you can look it up. You can join it for like $100 a year. And they actually give legal advice to creatives. You can look it up, pay 100 bucks, and you can get, I think it's like two sessions with a lawyer a year. And they can also do like five requests a year. So that way oh, you can okay. actually look up case law and yeah. see what you're doing, if you can be have for defamation or not. So Jordan Shanks um, did this 26-minute video explaining why he's being sued. Because he made a video about Clive Palmer and, of course, Clive Palmer loves his social media and, you know, loves his games and, you know, he, he's very much in with the kids. But I think this is a really good lesson in somebody who, even though they do great satire, they also didn't cover themselves legally. Mm-hmm. So if you say, in my opinion, you're covered. Mm-hmm. If you say, allegedly, you're covered. Mm-hmm. Say, like, Pell or say, like, Malat or say, like, someone like... um. Fraser Anning, you can say whatever you want about them because under defamation law, they are notorious. So if they are notorious, you're covered. Mm -hmm. So what Jordan has done is he's made this video to try and change the the coverage of Palmer Online. Mm -hmm. So when they go to court, he can say, but look, he's notorious. There's all the, there's like whole sections of defamation law Mm -hmm. that you can look up and it changes from state to state as well. So Queensland Supreme Court I think that's why Palmer's gone there because they uphold yep. a lot of cases. But the fact he's swinging for half a million dollars is just ridiculous. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's comedy, it's satire, it's commentary. Yep. People have a right, especially with politicians in particular. Yep. And most po- every politician in the country could sue every comedian mm. because the way that comedians talk about them, yeah. they could be sued. Because, yeah. you know, you, you you really can't, you're not meant to get on there and say Clyde Palmer is a fatty McFuckhead, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, I mean, hopefully this will get thrown out and yeah. hopefully Jordan will win. I want Jordan to win. Yeah. I really I do. We sort but of all do. But <laughs> I do. But, I mean, at the same time, it's a really good lesson. Because the video that he's made as well in as a rebuttal has now opened him up, himself up again to another suit. 
Yeah. Mm. Because of the way it's written. Yeah. So now he's just given Palmer even more fuel for the fire. Yeah. So. The fact, do you reckon, because we haven't heard anything, do you reckon it's getting worse? No, I just, well, we haven't heard anything because we have, we ha- they've got a, it's going to take months before that goes mm. to court. Yeah. It's like a good year. It's mm. going to take a long time whether it even gets there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if Jordan has a good enough lawyer, hopefully he'll just make it all go away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he'll just turn around and just say to Clive, look, have you seen what people are saying about you online now? Like, mm. if you really realize how petty you've become? Because yeah. it is. It's complete pettiness. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's basically a man who has a lot of a lot of sway in the media who's just basically throwing his weight around. Mm. And he's using it to try and threaten people and shut down dis- and shut down discourse and discussion. Yeah. You know? like And... They're suing someone for saying that you are literally a walking meme when you make a fucking yeah. game called Clive Palmer, Humble Meme Merchant. The hypocrisy yeah. of the entire it thing just blows my mind. Yeah, I, it definitely blows my mind as well. I, I just, I sat there and I watched that video three times. Yeah. And I'm watching it. I'm going, yeah, Jordan, this is amazing. But at the same time. You've also opened yourself up to be sued again. Yeah. Because that is something like when it goes on TV and stuff, you already have, you have lawyers of the TV station yeah, looking at what you say, but on social media, you don't. Well, that's the thing about it. Like it's all about, <clears throat> that's the one, the dangers of it as well is like, it's all trial and error. Yeah. You know, and it's all like, you've got to basically teach yourself a business degree, a law degree and software and everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank God on the internet, you can access it all, yeah. but it's whether you're whether you've got the, um, the nous and the capability to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, I thought we'd finish off with one other question. Um, so say I'm a young comedian and I want to start my career. Which platform would you recommend and why? <sighs> that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, like, cause I do both YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. I find I find YouTube is, is good in the fact that it has an SEO and you can niche down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find Facebook is better for virality oh, okay. because it's shareable. Yeah. So I think it depends on what you want to do. What about TikTok? <laughs> I haven't tried TikTok yet. I reckon you'd be really good. I have been told that. I've also been told to stream live on Twitch. Um, <laughs> look, tic- <laughs> The fact that TikTok even exists blows my mind. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I, I mean, like, I look at some of the stuff on TikTok and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? But, like, yeah, I think TikTok would be good for comedians, yeah. you know. But it's a different type of comedy too. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing with video making is a completely different type of comedy to stand yeah. up. Yeah. Because video making is that you have to make it visually pleasing. Yeah. And you also have to, like, I use a lot of memes as, like, jokes as well, yep. which really helps. Because otherwise, it's, I look at, like, some people, they put up videos, there's nothing in it, and there's no pictures, nothing. And I find mm. that just so bland and boring. boring. But people sit there and they watch it, and they're just like, oh, yeah, you man. Oh, that was funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next video suggested. And it's like, but that's what they do. Yeah. You know, like people just sit there and just consume for hours. Whereas yeah. I look, I watch, a, I watch like YouTube every day mm-hmm. and like, I look at what the top people are doing. I don't try and emulate it, but I try and create my own style. And I think that's the thing I say to young comedians, if they're going to go online is that be different. Mm-hmm. Like don't do what everybody else is doing. Cause that's yep. not the point. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is find your own style, find your own niche, find your own brand. Um, get yourself an artist from Fiverr. That's my oh, other yes, bit, that's that, bit of advice. Yeah. yeah. 
get that's your, a good piece yeah, of advice. Yeah, get some artists from Fiverr. Um, if you want a good editing program, get Femora Wondershare. It's basically um, studio, what's it, Premiere Pro for dummies. <laughs> um Get yourself some good sound, yeah, and get yourself a decent camera. But don't yeah. get, don't go and spend like a thousand bucks. No. Also, like cash converters, get a camera from. Oh, there. just go to like a camera secondhand camera store. Yeah. Because at least you can take it back and they can fix it. Yeah. You know, like I use a, I have a boom pole, which is basically a twenty dollar microphone stand. Mm. That's basically what I use, and I use like a shotgun, shotgun mic with a lead to my camera. Yeah. You know, it's like getting easier and easier to, you know, not spend a million dollars on equipment. Well, it's not that. Like, I mean, the other thing too is that you see people and they buy all the top of the line stuff and they've got everything great and their content is shit. <laughs> and you're like, you're basically a tech nerd. Yep. Like I, st- like literally I started on like a little, I've actually got in my bag, this little handheld cannon that I took to Singapore of all Ooh. places. It cost me like, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks. And Michaela will tell you, it's like it virtually fits in the size of your head. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I had just had a cheap tripod. Yeah. And like I filmed a video of myself in my bathroom because I went to Singapore and looked at like all the weird toilets in the women's toilets. <laughs> and um, that's been like one of my most viewed videos. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it goes for like three minutes. It's like, I just sat there and I'm like, oh God, the things people, that's the point I'm trying to make is this. If you just start doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. Like you, you look at the Hannah Hearts and the and the Lily Sings of the world, and they start on a laptop camera. Yeah. If you really want advice, here's my advice: go study the people that have already done it. Mm-hmm. Look at their stories and see how you can do it better. Yeah, that's good advice. All right. You know? Well, I think I think we're done. Oh, you think so? I think. Oh, so. I was going to keep talking. You want to keep talking? <laughs> keep talking. <laughs> Well, I usually do smaller episodes, like oh, half an hour. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I, I should have told you I was a chatty Cathy. Sorry. Oh, I already knew that. Oh, did you really? <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed this. Do you want to do some plugs? I can for do all, some. For all your social media? Oh, I will. That'd be great. Um, Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. It's Lisa Carol Vlogs. So that's two R's and two L's in Carol, like Christmas Carol. Um, vlogs is V-L-O-G-S. I, I don't know why Learn I'm spelling spell. that. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it's the same on uh, Facebook. Uh, Instagram, I'm Lisa Annie Carol. So it's Annie, not Anne, Annie. Um, and I'm also on Twitter as Lisa Ann Carol. I'm also on TikTok as Lisa Ann Carol. I'm follow on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Um yeah, that's about it, really. I'm more I'm very active on Instagram stories. Yep. I do stories every day. Yeah. You can follow me going to the gym and going to get coffee and trolling Maggie Beer like I did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> she watched my Instagram story too. That was funny. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's about it, really. Awesome. Well, it's been really good having you on. Like, I'm glad you've my, enjoyed me. Yeah, this is like one of my first ones actually in the studio. Um, I've never done so, it. This is fun. Yeah, it is fun. You can just talk and you don't have to like, I guess, worry about all the things of what you do on YouTube with all your cameras and everything. Oh, look, the um, amount, look <laughs> once I brought a teleprompter, that made my life a lot easier. Oh, yeah. 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 You can get those. They're very cheap. Ooh, <laughs> another hot tip. All right. Well, thank you. And that is a wrap. Today, I posed a question to my Instagram followers of how to get TikTok famous. And I got a few answers. So firstly, there was Lisa, of course, who just went, fucked if I know, lol. Then there was Dylan Mai, who said, don't overthink it. Improvisation is key to something that is authentic. My other friend, Lauren, said, make a video with a per pig soundtrack that will haunt you for the rest of your life. That is a really good video, though, Lauren. Um, and A underscore Nurchin said, cosplay. 
So there are a few ways that I'll be trying. So that's a wrap on episode nine. A big thank you to Lisa for coming in. I had heaps of fun with her. Thanks for listening via Anchor, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Remember to chuck a review on Apple Podcasts and message me on Insta if you'd like to feature. Next week for episode 10, I've got something big planned. I'm teaching you how to be TikTok famous. We'll be talking to the famous ones themselves, Jasmine from Jasmine TXO and Taylor from Taylor10109. Also, in my usual social experiment ways, I have tried to be TikTok famous for three weeks and I'll show you my results. Do you reckon I have what it takes to be TikTok famous? Am I the next Danielle Con? Maybe. Don't at me, guys. Mm-hmm.